Grace to you and peace from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text today from our first reading. After this I looked and, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and, and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. This is our text. A great multitude that, that no one could count. We just sang about that in that beautiful hymn. But we speak about that great multitude that, that no one could count pretty much every week when we gather for worship. I'm thinking of the words of the Apostles' Creed talking about the work of the Holy Spirit where we say, I believe in the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints. So you can see that's the title for our message today, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints. It's a great topic, of course, for, for All Saints Day. And that's what we're celebrating this weekend, even though yesterday in our worship services, we still celebrated All Saints Day, even though it was Reformation Day on October 31st. It's one of those weekends where Reformation Day is on Saturday and All Saints on Sunday. And, and sometimes we've combined those two celebrations and there's good reason to do that. This year we decided to separate them so each one could uh, receive its full focus from us. And actually, you know, there's some very close ties between Reformation and All Saints. For one thing, the timing of, of the Reformation, it was no accident that Martin Luther chose October 31st to post the 95 Theses on the, the door of the Castle Church in Wittenberg. No, that was very strategic on his part because it was All Hallows' Eve, the evening before All Hallows' Day or All Saints' Day, and he knew that that next day then on All Saints' Day, people would be coming to church both because it was a, quite a festival day in the early church, well, the Church of the Middle Ages, but also for, for another very, a reason very specific to, to Martin Luther's day and, and that location in Wittenberg, because Luther's prince was a man named Frederick the Wise, and he held what was reported to be the largest collection of relics from the saints. I think there are about 5,000 of them, supposedly one from each of the saints. I, I don't know why people thought that he'd be able to accumulate that, but they did. And usually during the year, those relics were locked up in a safe place. But on All Saints Day, they were on display in the castle church. And so Luther knew that people would be coming for worship, but also to see the relics. And as they were arriving, he knew they would see those 95 theses. And that gets us to the second connection between Reformation and All Saints because really the, the focus of those 95 theses as well as the, the question that, that drove Luther to discover what he did to rediscover the gospel was simply how does one who is a sinner become a saint? That's our question for today 
as well. And, and for our sermon, what we're going to do is start at the end and work our way backwards. So we're going to talk about the communion of saints. Uh, first, focusing on that word saint and how does one go from being a sinner to being a saint. I went to uh, Google Images and typed in the word sinner to see what uh, would come up. But, well, it looks like there's a rock band by that name. And uh, a TV series. But I really couldn't find much else that was going to be helpful for us. So then I tried evil person. Got a few hits on that. Here's a couple examples of what I got. That uh, you might recognize Snidely Whiplash, if so, uh, you're about as old as I am. I grew up with, with that cartoon character and, and uh, with Dudley Do-Right. Anybody remember this lady's name? Nell Fenwick. Somebody got it at the 8 o'clock service. And Nell was the one that Snidely was always after. And for some reason, pretty much every episode, he would tie her up and put her on the railroad tracks. And then Dudley Do-Right would, uh, would ride to the rescue. Isn't that interesting, though, that uh, somebody, anyway, at Google thought that a, a good way to answer the question of, of who is an evil person by putting a cartoon buffoon up. Then I guess there's the other end of that spectrum. Horrible monsters like Adolf Hitler and Joseph Stalin. But you know, neither one of those really does justice to the, the concept of, of evil person or, or sinner. If Luther had Googled sinner or evil, I know they didn't have it back then, but if, if he would have Googled that, what picture do you think he would have expected to see first thing? His own. That was what tormented him and terrorized him was the, the knowledge that he himself was a, a poor, miserable sinner. And he wanted to be a saint. So I googled saint and here's what popped up. <laughs> so what's so funny about that? Now of course that one didn't, that one didn't, but this one did. That is Saint Martin of Tours. His feast day is November 11th. That's the day Martin Luther was baptized. Luther was, was born on, on November 10th, baptized on November 11th, and given the name of the saint of the day on, on which Luther was baptized. And St. Martin of Tours did a lot of good during his time, pretty much epitomized what people expected a saint to be and to do back then, and, and maybe now as well. Someone who was extraordinarily good. Maybe you know some of the legend of, of St. Martin of Tours, I don't know, but this uh, stained glass window uh, depicted on the monitors um, depicts the one that the incident for which St. Martin of Tours is, is best well known. He was a soldier in the Roman army for quite a while. He converted to Christianity and for a little while after his conversion remained in the Roman army. And there was one time where he, he came across a beggar who was uh, at best half naked, was freezing. So St. Martin did what any saint would do. He took out his knife, that's what's in his right hand, and, and he cut his own cloak in half and gave half of it to the beggar to help to keep him warm. Well, because of his saintly acts, 
people thought for sure if anybody was going to go to heaven, it'd be somebody like St. Martin. If anybody was going to go to heaven. That gets us to, uh, to where we really need to make sure that we understand what the Bible says about a saint and what it means to be a saint and, and how someone becomes a saint. The Bible at its, at its heart defines saint as someone who is holy. Saint, holy, they're synonyms. They mean the same thing. How does one become holy? We heard that in our text for today when one of the, the elder who's speaking uh, to John about those saints that John is seeing and, uh, and the elder says to John, they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. What an image that is and what a miracle that would be. If you could do laundry in blood and, and have it come out white. Although actually that's nothing. <laughs> compared to the miracle that Jesus works in, in each of our hearts as he washes the sin in our hearts away from us, forgiving us for all of those sins and, and making us therefore holy in his sight and that means saint. So any one of your pictures or all of your pictures could be on the screen next to that word saint. Saint is one who is holy. We become holy through faith. And we heard that also in our text as, as those who were in heaven explained the reason that they were there. That salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. They were expressing their faith. It's the same faith that we share. When I googled saint. I, I came across a quote from Oscar Wilde who I think knew a lot about sinners. I'm not sure how much he knew about being a saint. But this he got right. Maybe other things too. But this he got right. That every saint has a past and every sinner has a future. We all have a past. We all have things in our past that, that we're not proud of, that we don't want to remember. And you know what? We don't have to remember them because God doesn't. Because he's forgiven them. And every sinner has a future. We, we're still sinners. One of the truths that, that was emphasized in the Reformation was that, that people are at the same time saints and sinners. So we are still sinners. Sometimes the past intrudes on the present and, and we sin. But we sinners have a future. A future that is guaranteed, that is secure in Jesus. Because we are part of the communion of saints. And our text really shows us what that future is going to be like. As John is, is shown what, what life, eternal life in heaven is going to be. Do you remember what the saints in heaven were doing? They were wearing white robes and holding palm branches. They, they were falling down on their knees and worshiping God. They were serving him day and night in his temple. When I was a kid, I used to kind of marvel at those words. Very much intrigued by them, but also a little bit nervous by them because that kind of makes it sound like, like heaven is going to be one big, long church service. I wasn't so sure that I liked that. Well, maybe it will be one big long church service. I'll tell you what, if we get to sing for all the saints every day that we're in heaven, <laughs> I'll be just fine with that. But how 
else will the saints in heaven be serving God other than worshiping him. It's the highest service we can render. Now, on the other hand, the Bible uses other pictures to describe what's going to be going on in heaven. So we'll have to wait till we get there to find out exactly what that is. Do you know, worship isn't just for the saints in heaven. It's also for the saints on earth. And it's still the, the highest service that we can ever render to our Savior. As we gather for worship in person or, or virtually these days. It's interesting for me to think about that actually we who are saints still on this earth have one advantage, one advantage over those who are in heaven because we have other ways to serve God. The only way they can serve him really is through worship because there isn't any need in heaven. Remember, no more tears, no more, no more hunger or, or thirst, but there's plenty of hunger and thirst, sometimes literally, sometimes figuratively around us. And so we really have the blessing and the privilege of being able to serve the Lord, not only by worshiping him in a, in a service, but also by serving him in the world as we seek to serve our neighbor. And we do that for only one reason. That's out of love for Jesus. As we say goodbye to the me, I'm going to come back to this, but as we say goodbye to the me and welcome the we, that's talking about the communion of saints, the we. Do you remember St. John's depiction of that? There before me was a great multitude that no one could count. From every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. What a picture that is, is as we live in a world and in a nation that's, that's divided along political lines, along racial lines, to see that picture of one union, one communion of saints in heaven. Boy, is that something to look forward to. Of course, as we think about that word communion, probably what comes to mind, at least at some point, is, is Holy Communion, the Lord's Supper, because we use that word quite, we're going to have communion today. Well, that's because the word communion simply means union with or, or fellowship. Union and fellowship mean the same thing. And in the Lord's Supper, the, uh, the body of Christ is united with the bread and, and the blood of Christ is, is united with the wine and the people of Christ are united with him and with one another as, as we gather around the altar and we will do that again someday. We'll gather around the altar but now we, we kind of do that figuratively as we remain in our pews but still we do so as one communion united with our Lord and with one another. And in this fellowship God grants to us comfort. The comfort that, that comes from after we've said goodbye to a loved one to, to knowing what really is going on for them. Not entirely, of course. But those words from the book of Revelation, never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat upon them, nor any scorching heat. And God will wipe away every tear from their eye. That's the comfort that God gives to us on earth as we think about those who are in heaven. And think about the fact that one day we too will be there. No more hunger, no more thirst. No more tears. 
No more losing to the Michigan State Spartans. <laughs> I had some uh, saints last night try to uh, provide some comfort um, to me, telling me how sorry they were for uh, the Michigan Wolverine loss. For some reason, I didn't think they were really being sincere about that. On the other hand, I understood it. We were uh, uh, beaten, uh, we were outcoached and, and outplayed pretty much every step of the way. So, okay. But we, we can really provide comfort to one another. And, and actually, I had some Spartans fans who were, um, who were that way. As, nobody this morning. Uh, maybe you'll have a chance after this. No, I have to get over to the uh, worship and event center right afterwards. But to provide for one another comfort and care. In other words, to forget about the me. Sometimes we do that. Sometimes we don't, just don't. But to forget about the me and to focus on the we. And I think that's probably an opportunity now for, for me to uh, mention about how focusing on the we uh, can look these days. We've mentioned this before in other ways. I don't think exactly this way, but anybody here getting tired of everything you have to do just to come to church? You got to register. You got to put on a mask. When you get here, you can't sit where you want to sit. You've got to pay attention to the signs. There's some pews you can't even go into. Tired of that, I am. And yet, maybe, maybe, maybe not, but maybe it, it's helpful to, to think about the fact that, that when we are doing those things, we are putting the me because none of us wants to do that. And, and sometimes we don't know if they're helpful or not. And maybe they are, maybe they aren't. Nobody really knows. We just, you know, kind of take the best shot we can uh, with this. But, but maybe as, as we're doing that, we can say, oh, this gives me a chance to, to demonstrate the we more than the me. And speaking of, of registering for church, I hope I don't get myself into too much trouble for this, but uh, please do that. That really is so, so very helpful. Although, I don't know, something happened to the 9.30 registration link yesterday. I never could. I saw it on Friday. I couldn't find it yesterday. So if you had that same problem, we'll have to figure out what that is. But, but what I want to say in that regard is, as you go to register, maybe you'll notice that the uh, service that, that you really want to go to that weekend is already pretty full, but maybe one of the other ones isn't. And, and so maybe you'll decide, well, I'll, I'll go to one of the other ones because, because it's not going to be so full. Now, this is a case of, please don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm, I'm not saying you should do that or there's something wrong if, if you don't do that. I'm just suggesting that might be might be an opportunity to, to put the we ahead of the me. I understand there's all kinds of factors that going into uh, determining uh, which service we go to. Really just wanted to, uh, uh, to plant that seed, I guess. As we think about what it means to be a saint in the communion of saints, to focus on the we. Uh, but you know, we spend all this time talking about the communion of saints. I haven't said a word about the Holy Christian Church. Does that mean we're only halfway through the sermon? Get a couple of nervous laughs every time I say that. No, it doesn't mean that at all. Because actually the Holy Christian Church has been our subject all along. The Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the same thing. 
We're confessing the exact same thing in the Apostles' Creed when we do that. As, as we say together, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints. Do you know what? Let's not only say that, let's believe it. And then let's also live it. Amen. And the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.